Hi, everybody. My name is Miles Ward, and this is Cloud and Clear. I'm CTO at SADA, but that doesn't mean I know absolutely everything. In fact, there is so much stuff that I still have to learn. One of the people that I choose to learn from, if you really think about all the different kinds of places you could plug into, the infrastructure technology, the crazy stuff that's happening with data, all of those are useful. But Underneath each of them sits this practice that you have heard of, I have heard of, called SRE. We have one of the original greats in this industry in SRE, Steve McGee, with us today, one of, one of my faves. He is a Googler and has been working hard in helping businesses understand and apply SRE practices for a lot longer than I've been working on cloud. So, uh, Steve, if you can give a quick introduction and we'll jump right in. Sure. Thanks, Miles. Uh, I'm really, really happy to be here. Uh, Nice to see you again, even if it's virtually uh, and we're all sort of stuck in this home thing. Um, I, yeah, so I, I'm, I was an SRE at Google for about 10 years um, and I worked on uh, mobile, for example, before there were smartphones. So like, what the heck is that? But making sure that you could like search from texting or something, it was very strange. Um, that was the first gig that I did for around reliability. Um, in fact, one of the most interesting outages that we had that I remembered was really early days in the smartphone world, which was when Michael Jackson died, actually, it was a big deal because everyone, this was the first time everyone was like, did you hear? And then everyone went to their phone to like, look it up. And what do you do? You type Michael Jackson into Google and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a thing. And like, that was like a, a great lesson in capacity planning that day. Um, so that, that was a, that was a few years in for me, but it was like, it was a totally memorable thing. And, um, you know, since then I've been trying to measure all outages in micro Jacksons, but that hasn't really caught me. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing for that and make that a thing, but I don't yeah. know if it's offensive or not, but yeah, we, we, we did it the might same. be a little, no, nah, I, th I think that's fair. We, we were doing the same on, <laughs> on the Pokemon thing where it was like, well, they were 50 something mm -hmm. times, uh, what their original estimate is. So it's like, it's our unit for just how bad your guesses are, right? Are you, are you, are you half a Pokemon off? Are you two Pokemons off? Like it's the same kind of uh, experience based yeah. metric system for sure. Yeah. So when you're, it's important to have like uh, kind of touchstones to be able to measure those things when they're big numbers, you know, like it's hard mm -hmm. to fathom some of these numbers that we talk about in our yeah. heads. So, you know, yeah. Good, good ways to think about them. So, so you're in, you're, you're working on pre pre smart mobile devices. So like sort of smart mobile devices. That's fun. Yeah, um, that was that was in the day. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just sort of continued from there and worked on other reliability things. You know, I was on the Android launch uh, for the services side. So like the stuff that talks to your phone to make sure that they stay running. Okay. Um, yeah, that was really fun. I got to sit in a room with a bunch of people and like watch the numbers creep up this dashboard as we like sold phones out the door. It was neat. Um, and then, um, from there, uh, I started to work on a bunch of other random stuff. So I worked on YouTube for a long time. So I was on the video processing system. Um, so it's basically like a cat video ingestion service. So it's, uh, it's the largest, I think probably the largest collection of FFmpeg in the world. Oh. Uh, it's just, it's just constantly running FFmpeg over and over again all the time. Uh, it is the system that keeps Google warm at night. Uh, so it, it fills up all the cracks in our data centers and, and uses all of the unused cycles. It's just constantly going. It's amazing. Uh, then I worked on uh, Google Fiber for a little while. That was fun. Um, so I, I got to learn the ropes a little bit of like the, the access network idea and 
some of the like cooler ideas around um, getting internet to more people. Um, our main product was fiber, but then we had a bunch of these other initiatives that I know you know about, Miles. Mm-hmm. They were pretty fun to be around. Yeah. Um, that was actually my first uh, in- introduction to non-SRE operations. Um, we had a knock. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a, a data center that was built just like you would build, um, you know, a, a, a traditional uh, ISP. <laughs> And sure. so uh, merging that with Google was was a challenge, uh, but I learned a heck of a lot there. Um, and then uh, I worked, I, I moved to, to cloud actually a little bit later. I, I moved to London and, and joined the Compute Engine SRE team. Mm. So you have, before we, we go way up and talk about like mm-hmm. definitions and reliability and, and, and all that sort of glorious sure. stuff, like how, how much there's this kind of meta, right? Where yes, you're working across all these different pieces. It seems like you're applying a relatively similar operational practice. We'll get into kind of definitions on the SRE site. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it would be one thing if you were like, you know, time sharing between all of those at the same time, right? Like you do some mobile stuff and some mm-hmm. YouTube stuff and some computer stuff all in the same year, because then the tools would all be the same. But I have to imagine over the course of a decade, the systems that you're using to approach these problems change radically, like huge amounts of extra capability yeah. there. Yeah. Well, so the, the base layer was always consistent. So there was always Borg. Um, the load balancing system, the thing that we we call GCLB inside of Google is just called GSLB. It's the same, same idea, different, different name. Um, so those were always consistent, but, but you're right. All of the like service specific tooling was, was built by those teams. Um, and it just became like a land of Galapagoses. They're just, just everyone invented their own thing. And they were all like, every once in a while you would change teams. Like, like what I mentioned, I wasn't working on those teams in parallel. That was like serially, or like I would change every few years. And every time I'd go to a new team, I'd be like, oh man, we had a thing like this, except it was called, you know, pigeon farm or something sure. like that, right? Um, this was this was a super no, common problem. No, number one thing, like they say that the number one problem in, yeah. in computer science is naming. They, it's not It's not because like naming is, is difficult. It's that you have to talk every engineer out of their like crazy metaphor love child that they've yeah. had inside the naming of a product. Totally. Oh yeah, totally. Like we're all geniuses, so we got to express ourselves yeah, with wanna, some sort of creativity. I want to make sure that you know I really love this movie. And so, of course, I have to embed its name yeah. permanently in the way these things are named. Totally. <laughs> That's 100%. right. Um, but, but yeah, this, this was a super common, uh, it was, it was a um, super common problem. And it was also something that we were, as a global SRE team, we were super aware of. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until we had like a concerted effort where we were like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Um, and I, I recall, in fact, it was specifically the um uh, essentially the the precursor to CICD like mm. it was the, the we called it, we just call them rollouts so like the rollout systems there was four of them and they just <laughs> they all, and they were there was there was like 40 of them really but there was four big ones uh-huh. and they all did the same thing and they all did them in different ways and they had completely different configuration syntax and so if you changed teams or if you adopted a new service that used the other one you were just like oh god what do i do and it was just ridiculous um and so uh, that was, I think, the, the the thing that sort of like was the tipping point, and and we sort of decided, yo, we need to not just have a bunch of disparate teams, but also have like a set of common tools that addresses the needs of those teams as well. So we essentially we just added another layer of pure software engineering whose customers were the SRE teams. So the SRE teams were already building software, but now this team was going to deliver consistent software, essentially products, right? So. 
this was going to be a product team within SRE delivering to SRE teams as their customers, which is a little bit mind blowing, right? Like what do you, what a product, like it's like an internal product for a team that supports another product, which supports another product, which then supports a customer. Like what's going on? But, you know, <laughs> it, it's, place. it's turtles all the way down. It, it, I mean, there's sure there, is there, you know, you can, I was watching a bunch of different, uh, you know, debate about, you know, product company valuations and like, you know, the Redmond guys have this great comment where it's like, yeah, 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 your features and your, you know, ease of use and blah, blah, blah. Tell me how your sales team is compensated and I'll tell you how much you're going to exit for. Like they're in the yeah. same way. Like, I, I think there's a lot of places, you know, like, uh, you know, one of the board members at SADA is the CIO at Nutanix. And, uh, you know, I make comments that she characterizes as like classically bullshit CTO comments, right? Where I'm like, oh yeah, we'll build it. And then the ops will be easy. We'll just sort of throw it over the fence to some new guy that'll come in and help with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's the, the, the core of that is this, um, you know, I think there's a lot of internal IT that would benefit from more product-like thinking where, you know, if, if you are going to take the time to yeah. go build a thing, you know, I, I think we're totally crossing over to this spot where if you can't at least imagine that you would vend it to somebody else, you might not want to build it, <laughs> right? Like, why why take the time? It might be a little brutal. Another another side of that 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 that's you know part of of kind of where you're heading there is, um, I, and I want to try this metaphor with you, like, because we get all the time, customers go data science. I've heard of data science. I've seen data science work. That stuff sounds amazing. Sign me up for a data science. How do I do one of those things? And we go, oh, well, yeah, yes. uh, right on. Um, where's your data at? And they're like, these 4,000 CSVs in seven different places. Uh, and, and and then we also like occasionally do stuff in Excel. And you're like, okay, no, uh, you don't actually have the tool platform to perform data science. You can't do it. Like it is at once, uh, you know, a method, but also depends on a bunch of inputs that have to be prerequisites. I, I feel like in a, a totally. huge number of our customers, they say, SRE, I've heard of an SRE. I want of those. Do you have SRE? Can I buy them? And I go, yeah, totally. But yeah. do you have any of the prerequisites for doing such a thing? Like on the one side, like, do you have the platform with which to do it? On the other side, do you have a problem that even demands it, right? Like people telling me they want to do SRE for their SQL server installation. I go like, I don't, I don't even yeah. really know what the hell that means. Can you like, un yeah. unpack I mean, why that's you, you got to respect that. Like totally. Like, I mean, you got to respect what the, what the, what the need is, which is simply like, they know that their operational model isn't working for them in some way. Hmm. And often the, the person who's making the request to you doesn't know the details, right? They don't, they don't sure. know what's actually broken or not. Um, and so like unpacking that is, is definitely an art right now. Like it's not, it's not clear because you don't really know where they're coming from. Um, so the, the best way that I've come up with this is essentially just to 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 walk them through uh, like it's it's actually really similar to the app modernization story, which is another kind of like can of worms where like I would like six app modernizations, two SREs and a data science, please. And please check out at the counter like like it doesn't really work like that. But like that people like they have good intentions, like like they do want those things because they, they recognize that the other side sounds good. Uh, but the, the first thing you have to do is, is, is go in and, and figure out like, okay, what is it that you actually mean by this? Cause right. I'll tell you what I think you mean. And then you tell me where you are. Right. Um, and like, there's this gradient, right. You know, like, are we going from a to, to G or are we going mm -hmm. from like B to C or like what, what's, what's going on here? 
Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's like, uh, like I, we when we got the original proposal, we're like, oh, I know what we'll call this whole area of solutions. It'll be infrastructure modernization. And I'd be like, how do you put all of that in one category? And they go like, oh, well, you know, it's just like everybody. They're moving from VMs to containers. I was like, oh, I know a bunch of people for whom infrastructure modernization means maybe, maybe taking it out of the abacus or like perhaps, you know, reducing the number of MIPS they consume yeah. on their C systems or like, you know, I mean, like, come on, come on, come on. Like the, the delta for this stuff is huge. Yeah, yeah. High dynamic range, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but but like the way that I come at it with with reliability at least is like when people say I want SRE, they're like they don't really like lots of times they don't really know what SRE means and so I try to just take them a step back and say like let's let's not talk about SRE yet. Let's just talk about reliability because it's sort of a super space of of SRE. Like SRE is an opinionated form of, of the greater reliability space. And reliability is really a problem set, right? Like it's it's not even a solution. It's like it's it's the it's the set of all known things around like is it working or not, or is it working well or not, etc. And so what we can do is we can we can say like, okay, like how uh, without really answering the question, what we're going to try to get at is like how reliable do you think you want to be, right? And um, the there's a few axes, a few dimensions here that you can go after. The first one is just availability up and down. Like is it on or is it off? And then you can talk about like, well, in a distributed system, stuff is always slightly broken. So like, we're not just going to say like on a lot or fully on. We're going to say like, just, just how on does it have to be? Um, and so we talk about availability and this is, this is always the easiest one to talk about. So we talk about nines. Uh, and then the easiest thing to come back with is like, okay, I would like to buy as many nines as you have. Um, and this, this is an obvious, um, if kind of naive request. Um, and, and I get it like, uh, you know, how many nines you got, <laughs> how many nines do you want? Well, let's, you know, we can dance or like, but that's not how it works. Right. Like you can have a really reliable platform with like many nines. And the Amazon people made famous this like 11 nines thing. They were talking about availability. Yeah. No, they weren't talking about availability. They were talking about, no, they weren't. Were they really 11? No, they, maybe they were kind of like not really. Like, no. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an extrapolation of like a, a piece of statistics that looks good in marketing. Like we have to we have to make that very clear. Um, but like the durability also, like the number of nines is just naturally a bigger number. So it's it's easier to to put that on a slide or on a on a I don't know a container or something like that. But um when it when it comes to um like the number of nines, one of the things that I find really helps people get this is that um I tell them like Google's really available, right? Like it's really up a lot. Like Google's kind of always on. But like, did you know that Google is made out of the worst possible computers? Like literally the cheapest ones we could buy, right? Like they are not the most reliable thing. Like we did not go to, you know, back in the day, we didn't go to HP and be, say like, give, give me the heaviest, fattest, greatest computers ever. No, we went to, to Fry's and we put them together like with our hands on top of cork boards. And right, this was the whole, this is the whole ethos, or the whole mythos, sorry, of, of, of Google is that. Uh, the whole point of it is that you can build more reliable things on top of less reliable things. So as soon as you get that concept, then you can stop asking for your platform to be the most reliable like base, right? Because because like the 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 naive the, not only it's not even I shouldn't even say naive. It's just it's actually just sort of traditional. The traditional model is when you have a data center, you put all the stuff in the cold room, and that stuff can never turn off, and all the components have to work all the time in order for the whole thing to work. So you have this triangle where, you know, at the bottom you have like the most important thing and it's, and it gets just like less reliable as you add software to it. Whereas the modern sort of Google way is the other way around, right? Like it's like the least reliable at the bottom and it gets more reliable as you go up. So as soon as you get someone to flip that idea in their heads, that, that, that helps a ton, I think, to, to help understand what it is they actually should be asking for, or what they should expect out of this 
sort of new platform. I, I think the hard thing for people to internalize is, it, you know, it's one thing like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I can, I can do the pyramid math in my head and, and it makes sense that, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the CFO's office, I go, wait, I can buy the crappy computers. That sounds spectacular. Let's do that more often. Ding um, yeah, it cheapens. Yep. Um, the problem is the stuff that's at the top of the pyramid is exceptionally difficult, if impossible to buy. Oh yeah, and and customers Definitely. are like exceptionally better at buying shit than they are at building things or putting things to work, right? Yep. Like, and hence, hence, I think most of the naive questions really, or or, or just traditional questions, are you know, I, I all of that, all of that English sounds fantastic. Is the, it does it have a skew, and how much does it cost? And I, you know, and so, because I think often the kinds of failures that not having SRE, particularly for scaled sorts of systems. Um, present are the kinds of things that make it all the way up. Like the board member calls you and says, this shit is not online. Like, why is that not happening? And I read a yeah. thing that says SRE and they say that makes it so things don't go offline. What the hell's wrong with you? Like, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I think service providers like us get, get put in a fun spot where they're like, you know, you, you guys, you sell humans that go help people out. Like you should sell an SRE. That'd be a great idea to do. Uh, and and we are, we start at the same sort of spot that you've described where it's like, well, well hold on. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Like, I, you know, I, I think the best way for me to sell you SRE would be to like bring a culture change management team to talk through how you do, how you do problem definitions. And they're like, wait a minute, that's so far upstream. And you're like, no, no, that's exactly what the whole thing comes down to. Like, oh, wow, that's fun. I, yeah, no, that's, so, that's the right approach. Like, uh, Really, SRE is is like the the one 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 definition you've heard is is tra trainer uh, Ben Trainer Slosses definition of if you you know apply software engineers to the ops problem right um, and and that 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 kind of gets you halfway there but I think the other way to think about it or like an additional way to think about it is like if you've heard of the OODA loop right that that, that uh, sort of jet fighters talk about you know observe orient decide act um, being able to perform the OODA loop at sort of like a in Kind of many like like fractal ways, like as an individual, like as a piece of automation, as an organization, being able to constantly be doing that, that's SRE, right? If you can get a computer to do the OODA loop for you, that's what Ben was talking about, right? You're going to write software that's going to do this observation, detect, orient, or observe, observe orient, uh, detect, act, right? There's still going to be some times where you're going to have humans in the loop. There are going to be times where you're going to have the organization is going to make a decision based on data, right? Like at the end of the day, though, like SRE is all about like taking action on production, either in a preventative or in a reactive way, but based on data and then and then recurring, right? Doing it again and again and again and making sure that we're making the right choice for the future. Um, that, that That's another like good, like high level idea that, that has helped people kind of get it at a high level. Mm -hmm. how, how does somebody know that they're big enough, right? Like I I have a little product that we built up that, that helps people look at a bunch of dashboards about COVID stuff, right? Like Here's how many cases there are. It's an integration of a bunch of data about ICU bed availability. And, and like, oh, we have customers that are in there that use it. It's, it was a, a great project for us to kind of collaborate with the healthcare teams, pull this whole thing together. Uh, you know, we have monitoring on it. It allows me to tell when it's up or when it's down. I, I don't make money on it, I, but, I, but I know that it's a thing of value to some of our users. Like, is, is that big enough? Should it be, should I have to be bigger? How, how do I, like, is there a rule of thumb I can use to figure out like when, when I should start to pronounce the three magic letters <laughs> seriously in budget planning cycles? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, when you, when you start talking about SRE is, is when you, 
start staffing people to do only that job. So if you, like you should already be thinking about reliability, right? Like you, you did when you decided to like boot up a server, like in the cloud instead of on your laptop, right? Like you already had an idea of like, I want this to be on more than just when I have my laptop open, right? That was, that was your first definition of reliability. It was like, I want this to be available much of the time, right? To, to other people, even maybe like on other parts of the planet, maybe, right? These, these all fall into the definition of reliability is that like people can get the thing when they want it in such a way that is not frustrating to them. Right. Um, so it, once you've already started doing that, like, um, you're going to start making all these decisions. If, if you see like through that lens of like when we're making reliability decisions, is it the individuals are just making them in the course of developing their software at, at some point, um, we had a sort of a term for this. I forget what the curve was called, but at some point, like your understanding of the problem domain versus your understanding of the infrastructure that is actually underlying the problem domain, they cross. And, and, and like in, in with, with respect to like how much a, a certain, like a single human can, can deal with at any given time. And so if you're no longer like writing, you know, widgets in the UX framework and thinking about beds and ICU capacity, and instead you're thinking about how do we get more throughput to the system and how are we going to shard our data across the platform because we only have so many like CPUs per pod, like at some point those lines are going to cross and you're going to have one person who becomes the ops person, right? Or, or the reliability person um, generally, like this is just how human groups work. Um, if you are spreading it across all the humans, then maybe you're okay. But at some point when you, you're going to find there is this tipping point. Um, generally I would say out of, um, so that's my high level answer, but like generally I'd say out of, out of my experiences, as soon as you start to have multiple groups that are committing to the same sets of repos and that they're, they're all committing to, uh, the same like production system in like a multi-tenant kind of way where they have, you have more than one pipeline running at once. You have more than one team of people like that aren't even necessarily talking to each other very much. They're all independent of each other. And you find that you need to have some cohesive way for them to not step on each other's toes and crush each other's dreams. You need to have that in-between team that's like, whoa, hang on, like here's the walls, here's the lanes, you know, you can commit through here and then we're, you're gonna commit through there. And it's sort of like the referee between these different teams. Like I, I make it sound a little bit more like like it's a battle. It's not like it can it can be very like you know cooperative. But uh, at some point, it's 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 really about the humans, right? Do you have humans that fit into that shape? Then then yes, you should probably start thinking about S three at that point. Yeah, there's there's another uh, you know I think I think it's a very useful um, frame of reference, if only because I'm translating your units into a different measure, which is I have. I have constructed the business justification to spend two pizza teams worth of engineers on something, right? And right, if I have that many engineers building a thing and I have already gone and justified that that's a good idea, that they should build it in the first place, the product should exist. That's clear enough indication that in order to make them coordinate efficiently and to get the results that you're likely to want, you might need this practice built in. I think we're finding in some places, um, uh, you know, where uh, I think one of the preconceived notions that's a part of the SRE practice is that is exactly the way that you described that it uh, that is inherently dependent on an interaction with software that is being developed, that you are building the product. And so you would need SRE to be able to improve the operational characteristics of that changeable product that you might add new features to it, new capabilities, and, and its management of that. I think the biggest disconnect that I see in the market is customers um, 
customers who want SRE-like behaviors on commercial software. And, and you keep kind of going like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Like you can't add features to SQL Server. Uh, and so you can't, you can't really like apply SRE and they go, no, that's not true. Of course you can apply SRE. Like I want software to help me manage. And so, you know, I think there's a bunch of the stuff that has exploded out of the impersonation of a bunch of Google technology Kubernetes and the, the whole declarative structure where people in many cases are using, using SRE style interactions uh, and, and management philosophies but but applying them to stuff where they don't own the code and does that does that work worse like how how is that hard like what how do you how can you tell that that sucks yeah i mean that, that definitely works worse um if you have no recourse then sure like you can you can try to make it work like you can you can you can you can wrap the the black box of software that you bought off the shelf in your own other systems your own code but like at the end of the day you know sre and reliability is going to be software like you're going to be writing software and if you can't you know uh you know change the software that you care about you have to change software that talks to that software or that like acts as like a go-between between your software and it or something like, like you can you can wrap it in a, in a layer of, of of your own doing um so like at the end of, like you need to like SREs need to be able to write code and they need to be able to edit code they need to be able to change code right like so if you have this black ball like you they're not going to SRE the thing inside of that but they can and still do SRE like in the sort of the around it I guess if that's if that's what you need the example that I got told, I want to, uh, you know, uh, give this one to you and tell you, you can tell me whether you think that's close or not, like, uh, and, and maybe fairly applicable because of your YouTube experience. Like, um, there's uh, commercial is maybe a long way of saying it. I guess, I guess it's in Oracle's licensing now. Like MySQL is a product that I would suspect the vast majority of users are not editing or manipulating, but they certainly sort of struggle with operations for it. And a, a big group struggling with operations on MySQL decided to add a whole bunch of capabilities to it inside of YouTube. Now that's an open source project called Vitesse. And I, I would characterize those developers who, before they got to the part where they're like, ooh, let's call it Vitesse and yay, let's let's have it be a product and, and vend it. But the upstream part where it's like, MySQL sucks. I want to fight it to the death. How do we build the software that would boss around MySQL? I, that to me seems like classically SRE in behavior yay or no yeah, yeah it was yeah that, okay. that happened inside of youtube that yeah. was exactly the, the youtube sre team yeah yeah um and so there was a there was a team that was the youtube storage team i was friends with a lot of them and like they eventually became the vitesse team uh they open sourced a lot of their work uh that, that's exactly what they did so uh essentially they had they had yeah they had this nugget of, of mysql and they were working around it and like figuring out how to shard it and how to, you know, have a proxy to it and how to adjust like the client code that was talking to it to have like better retries and all, all this stuff, like everything but MySQL itself. And at a certain point they're like, you know what? Ugh. Like we have to actually mess with MySQL itself. Like let's actually go in and change it. Um, and so they kind of came up with like a short list of things they wanted to change at first, like that would actually have impact. And then slowly that developed, you know, that got some legs that had some success. And they're like, this is actually like maybe a good idea. Uh, and then they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to staff a, a legit action here, which is to, to build, <laughs> sorry, that's my very loud dog. Um, hey, there, to, there's to a rule on the, the internet, test. man. There is a rule on the internet. If you hear the dog, you see the dog. Maggie is someplace, but she's very quiet today, which is rare. Usually she barks. And there he is. Hello, no, he dog looks like friend. he's overexposed right now. But ah, he's all right. That's Charlie. That's he is a 15 year old Basset hound. 
Oh, ah, we, as a kid, I had yeah. uh, me and my dad and, and my little brother were hanging at his house and this basset hound walks in the front door. No, no collar, no tag, just awesome. makes himself at home. We're like, that's about right. right. He hung out for yeah. two years and then just left. <laughs> like that's about two right. years, yeah. right? Like we name him, we buy him shit. He gets all this stuff. Like he's super happy. Everything seems fine. Just pieced out. Toodles gone. Like, okay. <laughs> You've got this sort of, you know, I think that's an easy way, um, you know, for me, as I've been explaining uh, with, with companies like, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to take on the SRE approach, but I want to do it on software. I didn't write I go, okay, what you're signing up for is writing software around the software. And so I think the other breakdown is it's fine if you want to do, you know, if you want to think about kind of the SRE style approach for commercial or open source software as a way to extend it to solve some of the problems that you have. But if you're not developing any other software, then you probably don't have the musculature with which like, you know, Where's the repos and how do you do deployments and do you have testers and all the, the kind of upstream, do you have a development practice questions that I think are also kind of at issue. So uh, yeah, if, if, if you don't have a software development team to begin with and you want to start with SREs, like that's not a great plan. Um, generally, like the, the rule of thumb that we've had is like SRE to developer ratio has been 10 to one uh, or one to 10, I guess. Um, and so if like, if you want to make it like, you know, one to nil like infinity ratio like right not great yeah <laughs> i don't i don't think that's a good idea um but yeah you're going to have to have developers in place already because of kind of what you're just describing which is like it's not the developers themselves that you're necessarily going to be working with but like the, the norms and like the tools that those developers are using the SREs are going to use the exact same system like how they're filing bugs you know how they're you know performing tests and like blah 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 like all, all that stuff has to exist for SREs already if you just hired an SREs and you're like, build your whole ecosystem, they'd be like, well, we don't have, we can't be helpful for the first two years. So this isn't great. Um, so SREs are a tool for a software company. Uh, if you're, uh, I shouldn't really say it like that. So SREs are, are, are a tool for a software team. So even if you're not a technology company, but you have a, a significant technology team, that's where your SREs go. I mean, if, if you're just like a, you know, a bicycle mechanic company and you don't write any software, like you're not going to get SREs. Like that's, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's once you have a bunch of people already writing software for sure. Well, and, and you, you used the magic word. Cause I think that's the other thing that we see a lot, which is not, not that a company might not want to do such a thing or, you know, have executives who, who recognize the utility of that for their, um, for their approach. But I think there's a huge, demand and talent gap where the, you know, it's, uh, it's James Hamilton on the AWS side who said, you know, there's no compression algorithm for experience. And I think there's a bunch of, you know, well-trod, you know, battle patterns, formations, structure that, uh, that SRE in practice at macro scale systems have internalized and have a clear understanding of and find obvious and straightforward. And if you take operations teams and teach them software development, you take software development and teach them operations and then hand them the SRE book. Like there's a, you know, there's a huge amount of cheat code that sits in that document, like that helps them get further forward faster. But I think a lot of people are trying to go, how do I attract one? How do I like, like there's some sort of bitchin zoo animal that you've got to like run out there and get a net and grab you. I'm going to give me an SRE. It's going to be great. Like, you know, we, we try to encourage that people grow them. 
right? Like you need problems. Uh, it's, it's the biology model, right? Where like your bones don't grow to plan. They're pulled into shape by the stressors applied by the muscles. So it's like, give, give your devs some stress that feels like operational complexity and pain and give them the bandwidth to think through those problems in the way that they think through most problems, which is to reduce them to automation. And uh, if you can give them some best practices for that, they'll go a long way and you'll grow up having a bunch of SREs. Like, is that the best place to start or are there any other kind of how to go? Totally. Guides? It's like if you, if you hire, if you somehow hire like a Google SRE by just like handing them like just huge amounts of money to come join your company that has never had anything like this, they're, they're just going to be like, boy, what are you doing? Like this, like they're, they're just going to have trouble, right? Like what you really want to do is, 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 is you want to, you want to build it up from the inside out. Right. And you, you can still hire an SRE from, from Google with tons of money on the guy. I don't want to stop you from doing that or anything. That's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. But like, spend money you with know, joy. you can't yeah, expect yeah. them to show up. Yeah. Why not? Right. Like whatever sparks joy. Um, so, it, but, but, but when they show up on the ground, they're not going to be able to just do Google SRE things to your company, right? They have to work with the processes and the tools and the people that are already there. Um, so um, the the suggestion that I give people is to, um, you know, start with one thing, right? Introduce one concept first, and then another, like just build up, right? And um, the the ones that I think have have worked the best, like the easiest one to introduce, is blameless postmortems. That's really really easy because everyone has outages all the time anyway. Like you're not introducing like let's have outages. Like that's already happening. Like they, they already have a process. Turns out one of the prerequisites is uniformly available. Your shit breaks. Guess what? Right. Totally. Yeah. Big time. Right. And 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 so teams will already have things in place. Like big enterprises at least, or or maybe medium ones will have things like ITIL in place. In place. ITSM. Right. They'll they already have a, a way that they mitigate outages. And all you're doing at this point is you're saying. Keep doing that. Cool. I'm just going to be over here writing stuff down, right? I'm going to write a postmortem and it's going to follow this template. Like we have, there's templates out on the internet and it doesn't really matter, but it's an easy place to start. And at the end of the day, we're going to learn something from this process. That's it. Just start with that. So this again is going back to the OODA loop, right? We're just applying the OODA loop to outages. And it turns out that learning from outages is super important because outages show us where we're weak. Right? They show us where our reliability falls down. And it's not like high, like generic and like vague. It's like very specific, right? Like it fails every time this call happens when this thing is upside down, right? Oh, well, maybe we should fix the thing or make sure the thing never turns upside down. One of those two. I don't care, right? Um, and then being able to do that in such a way that is following SRE culture would be to say you do it in a blameless way, right? So we're not saying, you know, the human that had their finger on the button should have known not to push the button at that time because the thing was upside down. You say the system shouldn't allow you to push the button if the thing is upside down, right? So it's not the, it's not the human's fault, it's the system's fault. And guess what? We can change the system and we can make the system better. So um, starting with that one is, is super, super helpful, I've found, because uh, everyone can do it. You're not messing with their system. You can do it. You can do it like in a side channel. Um, you can also then take the outcome of that and you can have like a meeting or at least just write a document and saying like, I recommend the following things. And you can make direct improvements on day, let's say day two, right? Day one or two-ish where you have the outage and you're like, these things should be fixed. And you can actually, if you're, if you're lucky, you can tie those improvements directly to impact. You can say, if we do this, we don't have this problem anymore, which has this value associated with it. And it's really hard to argue with that. So that's where I recommend people start.
we, I, I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, and, and yet we have this sort of personal struggle with this approach. So as, as a team that often is brought not only to sort of manage the migration or perform the deployment, but also in many cases to perform the operations on a given thing, <laughs> it's super, you can see where I'm going. It's super fun to go to your customer and go, hey, look, here's the way that you should manage us. Don't blame us when things break. Like, just don't, because it's, it's not productive. And instead, we should have this postmortem thing where we're going to talk about it a lot. Like, I'll, I'll sing Kumbaya, we'll bring fires, I'll you supply the marshmallows, it'll be great, right? Like, so <laughs> we, we, we have consistently tried to help, like, our customers' teams work in that way so that they can work together with us in that way. Uh, but but it's fairly awkward when you go, you know, oh, and by the way, we have this method where you, you don't blame us when things go wrong because <laughs> it's just, you know, it's awkward. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe the wording could be improved, actually, because like, <laughs> really at the end of the day, it's, it's not even so much about the blameless part. Like I've, I've actually seen someone explicitly get this wrong in that they, they believed in the blameless idea. And so what did they do on all those post postmortems? They redacted all names. They just blacked mm. them out. And so mm -hmm. then you couldn't tell who was talking, like you couldn't even tell the role. It was just black, mm -hmm. you know, person one. You, they didn't even say person one. They just, they just blacked it out. Mm -hmm. So then like, it just made the postmortem useless. Like you couldn't right. tell who did what at which time. So you couldn't, so don't do that. But the point of, 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 of blamelessness is, is not to not blame the person who did the thing, but it's to improve the system. That, that's all it right. is. So, so another way to look at it is that if you're, if you're expecting the humans to do a better job, and you want five nines of availability, that's never going to work because if you have a human in the loop at all, you're never going to get five nines of availability because yeah. humans just don't push buttons that fast. And so yeah, the goal I, is I, to get humans out of your blame loop altogether and, and yeah. really just focus on the software. There's, I was surprised when I heard it the first time. Um, and the more that I see it in practice, I, I think we did land on the wrong word. And, and I think, the principal thing that you're trying to avoid and and why they're structured in that way is for people's fear about their personal culpability driving either misinformation or disclarity or an unwillingness to participate in that exercise. So I, I think the thing you're actually trying to do is shameless postmortems, right? Where you don't like, like, I want to know who clicked the button the wrong way. And then I want to laugh about it and clap with them and be like, man, I've clicked the wrong button too. That totally blows. Let's, let's make it so that those buttons aren't so obnoxious. Um, and you know, I think that there's, there's a lot, you know, and, and that's why I think, um, so much of what SRE really is, is about culture and about human management and recognizing the reality of humans. I mean, you know, like, People are starting to internalize this concept like microservices is not a solution for a technology problem. It's a solution for your stupid people management problem and how hard it is to have people coordinate on stuff. I think in a bunch of ways like SRE is a cultural solution for the ops problem as much as it is also a, like a technique and a methodology and a bunch of experience based tools. There's there's a cultural component there. I mean, what yeah, what I mean, out of historic, that has been historically? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but like I, I, you got me thinking, like, I think historically ops has been, we'll just say it like underwhelmingly, like oh, not well loved in the industry. Hugely like it's shamed. Not been the, the, hugely shamed. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not been like the most like prestigious role in most enterprises yeah. organizations. And I, the I side have effect, one of those neck I don't know if it's, 
<laughs> yeah, I used to, it didn't, didn't work uh, for me. Uh. Um, so I don't know if it's the cause or the effect, but like ops people have historically been essentially like interchangeable, right? Like that ops person, you know, pushed the wrong button at the wrong time, get rid of them. All right, let's, let's get a new one. Let's get two more at half the price. It'll be great. Right. We can, they can be up at different hours of the day or something like that. Uh, when you get to the level of hiring SREs, uh, SREs, you got to pay a lot more. Uh, they do a lot more complicated stuff and they expect to work normal hours. Uh, and like, they just, they don't, they don't, they don't roll with that. Right. Uh, so you're just going to lose them. Right. They're not, they're not going to stick around if you treat them poorly. I mean, most people I would hope also wouldn't stick around if you treat them poorly, but like, um, specifically if you want to retain someone who's going to like operate your system at the level that you expect when you're, when you're hiring SREs and you, you give them this mandate, like they're going to be performing, you know, software surgery all day long, you do have to treat them quite well. Right. And you have to not get them to the point where they get, you know, berated or blamed or otherwise like they did a thing, which was, you know, maybe not the best choice at the time, but like they did their best with what was in front of them. Uh, instead, if you focus again, on the software improvements, you'll actually incentivize them to to do their job even better. Is that the like this postmortem process is is an attempt to dig deeper into the problem and and find these issues. Um, the the second thing that I suggest based off the back of the postmortem process is now that you've written a postmortem and you have all this idea of like all the stuff we could do to like fix the thing, like how do we decide what to work on and what's important, right? Like we have this big laundry list. And you know what happens to like laundry lists of, of bugs, right? They go, they go on the back <laughs> burner and like, yeah, we'll totally, we'll totally get to that. Yeah. Next quarter after the thing or whatever. Um, so coming up with a, with a method for uh, performing sort of, you know, prioritization and analysis of this is, is super important. And like, I'm not going to be prescriptive about that, but like there needs to be a process in place. Um, one that's been proposed is pretty good, which is essentially like when, you're in trouble, like if you have an SLO or not, like you, you've heard of SLOs and error budgets, like when you, when you've expended your error budget, like it's time to start burning down the reliability backlog, right? Like, cause, cause clearly like we have a reliability problem and we have this list of work that is about reliability. What should we do? Where should we get our, you know, next Pro sprint tip. From? Oh, yeah. I have an idea. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of different departments at companies, um, you know, it's one of my favorite places. Like I like taking technology solutions from one vertical and applying them to the other, or, you know, techniques that get learned in kind of one problem space that makes sense in others. And I think there's a bunch of cultural dynamics that have, I think, been better documented in this discussion about the pressures that operations people feel and the, you know, the most junior person has the scariest part of the job and, uh, and the, you know, building corporate policy that reflects the real world motivations of humans, not just this sort of idealized capitalistic, you know, if I, if, if I work them harder, they'll want to get paid more. And then I, and if I, you know, like put reward systems in front of them, they'll go crazy and figure this stuff out. Like, you know, people are way more motivated by do they respect their managers and do they feel like they have a path to success that doesn't cause them to, you know, screw with their family commitments or cultural commitments. And, and so like, I loved having a talk through um, about blameless postmortems. Um, with a buddy of mine that really runs the finance division in a company. And 
uh, you know, and having them, you know, like, have you ever screwed up a number in a board presentation? They're like, yeah, all the time. Like, what'd you do? I chewed that accountant out. I go like, did that work great? He goes, not really, actually. And like, why was, did you do like an evaluation of why they screwed that up? It's just because they're dumbasses. Well, like, well, okay. Like, look, like, d- did you hire them uh, to make sure that they were dumbasses? No, no, no. We interviewed them. They're really smart. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, you could see the disconnect there, right? And like, we ended up talking our way through, you know, what ended up really being a whole bunch of what gets characterized as a hurry, but I think it's about like, you know, empathetic people, team construction and team management and prioritization and, and collaboration. Right. Yeah. It turns out that like, if you treat people nice or you treat people well, I should say, uh, they, they do, a, they do, a, they're, they're better at their job for a longer amount of time. Uh, I mean, you can, you can, you know, treat them poorly and they'll, they might, you might get a couple more days of, of like 24 hour work cycles out of them, but they're, they're gone after that. And that's, that's not what you want. So, um, I mean, I think we, you can even sort of look back to the last 10, 15 years of, of, you know, companies that have been in, you know, magazines and stuff about like, you know, work, workspaces and like treating their companies or treating their employees so well, like Google was famous about having, you know, free food and massages and all these silly things that were just like, and then you look at the, you know, market cap of these companies that did this with their customers or with their, with their employees. And you're like, wait a minute, these companies treated their employees really well. And they now have a lot of money. So maybe we should do. Starts with a T. No, no, no. Well, it's definitely... Yeah. Austerity <laughs> like, measures. Those will be the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That should, that should totally do it. So yeah, I mean, the same thing applies to operations as well. Like uh, if, if you're just going to you know run your system the old fashioned way, expect old fashioned results, you know? Um, and, and that's, that's no fun. So uh, I think at the, at the bottom, uh, sort of the, 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 the end of the day, like a lot of customers are, when I say customers, I mean like, you know, GCP customers, like they're, they're coming to us and they want to hear like, not only like, should I do this SRE thing, but like, uh, or like, how should I do this SRE thing? Like some of them are asking the right question of like, why should I not just keep doing what I'm doing today? Like I have a knock and an ITIL and it's working perfectly adequately for me. Um, and the, the answer that I tell them is like, if you're working in a traditional environment and you have an on-prem data center and you have like a single spot in the world and you, you own all your, your software and your hardware, like, okay. Like and ITIL and ITSM and, and Knox and all that were built for that, and they do the job. If you want to do something else, if you want to do this cloud thing, there's side effects of doing this cloud thing. Like you will now have all these benefits that we know about, but there's also going to be different operational concerns. There's going to be different needs. Like you can't send a dude to go in and plug the thing in anymore, right? You you have to you have to have software do that for you, um, and then being able to like have um, the basically the, in order to, to reap the benefits of cloud, it, you're, you're just, you, you shouldn't expect to be able to operate it in the same way as running in a traditional environment. Like, like just, just getting that point across, like, do you think this old model and this new model should be operated in the exact same way? Like the odds of that are pretty low. And then if you look at the companies who are successfully operating in the cloud, like the cloud providers themselves, or like any digital native startup, like, are they doing all of those things? Like, are they doing the traditional models? They're not. So put it together, right? Like, what do we think should happen here? Like, like you can try to cram the, you know, the, the traditional model onto the cloud, but eventually something's going to give. And so instead what we're, so we're not, we don't want our customers to just try that and fail. Instead, we want to provide them like a better model 
And and that's what SRE is like. That's what that's what we're trying to, you know, kind of teach the world is like, I know there's a model over here. I know it's good. We're going to make some alignment, you know, kind of like understanding. So you, so you, you understand that they're, they're really doing the same work, right? We're, we still have the same goal, which is to keep the stuff going. It's just that it's in a whole different world. And so you have to be able to take a different approach to it as well. So part of that is treating your customers or sorry, treating your, your employees well, because they're, you know, they're, they're good people, right? Most likely. And you want to make sure that they don't leave after like they understand your system really deeply. Um, and you know, they're not interchangeable parts, right? They're not, they're not little cogs in your machine. They are, they are like, um, worth, <laughs> worth being, being good to. Um, and, and blameless postmortems is just like an example of that. I think, I think it's a, it's a good cog to start on. Like it's a, it's a good, it's a good lever to, to have this conversation around because everyone can, can think of an outage and they can think of how stressful it is and they can think how easy it is to be like that person over there, push the wrong button, get rid of them, you know? And like, you know, that's leadership. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not, right. <laughs> but that doesn't work. I'm afraid. Yeah. So. Hey. I had no idea that, uh, you know, that going from a, you know, super crappy, fun little startup and starting to work in cloud that, that, you know, when we started, it was about teaching people like, Hey, you can run more than websites on this. Now we've gotten all the way full, 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 full circle where being a cloud expert is actually about like, you know, enterprise corporate empathy <laughs> and learn, learning how to be good people weird. to each other. Like what a, <laughs> what a, what a crazy arc that is. That's, that is totally super weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. Steve, I, I super appreciate the conversation. I like, like happens in, in more than one of these. Uh, I, I feel like we have barely, barely scratched the surface. I appreciate you taking the time to penetrate that surface with us. Um, and, and thank you for the contribution to each of those products. I, I've literally used every single one of them. Uh, so, uh, thanks for, thanks for all you've done. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. We'll, we'll let's do it again. I think that'd be fun. Right yeah, but, you know, like we I, we could have a post mortem on this one. You can blame me for Ooh. like you Ooh. know like weird hair as a result of being locked in COVID for too long, and, and it'll be it'll be super good. I I look forward to our, our our post mortem of our post mortem chat. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.